This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I'm joined with by the great film guru himself, one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing pretty good, Michael. Doing pretty good. And you know what? I'm also doing quite well because we have made it to training camp. There is actual football going on. We, we got football. We, we got real football news every single day here until mid-February. It is beautiful. It is a good time to be a, a football fan. Great time to be a Steelers fan. Of, of course, we got that extra week uh, to prepare for the Hall of Fame game. We'll get into that a little bit today. But, of course, today's theme of the show is uh, basically breaking down training camp and looking at the Steelers' pers- uh, perspective over the coming weeks, we will uh, have some guests from uh, some other uh, uh, sites featuring some AFC North teams, so we can kind of get prepared for our uh, division and what we have to look out for. But tonight, we'll kick things off with the Steelers, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. So, obviously, camp has just opened up. Uh, they just put the pads on uh, as as of the day of recording this, uh, Wednesday night. Um, do you have any uh, overall thoughts on uh, training camp uh, this far? I training training camp to me it it's it's mostly just the build up to the preseason man I I I can't wait for the the Hall of Fame game I can't wait to start seeing these guys uh, hit other people in, in training camp I mean you obviously obviously it's it's nice to know they're getting to it it's nice to get some reports this year compared to last year of what's going on in training camp you actually have you know fans there you're able to get some like home video shop for people's cell phones about stuff. But to me, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to get too excited for training camp and, and to read too much <laughs> into it. I, I, I listen mostly to what the coaches say, what they're talking about. Uh, but it is, it is nice. The, the nicest thing I think in my opinion is just this training camp, like actually happening, right? As opposed to last season where it was, who knows what you know? What's even going on behind closed doors, and how much they're able to do? And they were all—they're all separate, and they're, you're hearing all this—all these rumors of stuff. This this year, at least, we're actually seeing it. So that's that's very nice. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on with that. Uh, one of the things I put in the in the, the BTSC group chat today um, is, is a picture of Derek Watt with his family, which is something we didn't get last year. Uh, something else I saw before we went on live today was Joe Hayden taking some selfies uh, with fans in the stands, just getting that interaction. Definitely something I didn't realize I missed, but uh, just that aspect of sports is one of the great reasons why uh, you can be a fan. And learn a little bit about the athletes uh, and just overall getting to interact with them. It, it's so much better than uh, just, uh, I, I guess, hitting the the play button on the TV, uh, the power button, I guess I should say, uh, come game day, like it actually kind of grow with this team. And and we're getting almost a play-by-play report when it comes to training camp. I, I think uh, even the reporters are a bit antsy uh, to get the information out. And you know what? It's been a lot of fun because it, it, it even though I, I'm on the other side of the continent, 
Uh, it feels like I'm right there in training camp with the amount of video and uh, information that is coming out. So from that sense, it's pretty exciting. Uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame game, well, one of the kind of interesting kind of side notes with it is no team that's ever participated in the Hall of Fame game has actually won a championship. And previous to this, that would mean you played five preseason games. Of course, the preseason got chopped down to three games, meaning the Steelers are playing the regular four games. A, a big mix of numbers here, but basically, are, are you happy that this team is in this situation, having to play this game, uh, an extra preseason game on the horizon? Does it mean anything at all? I like it. I think it's an advantage, especially in this season uh, where they're cutting the training camp. They're cutting the, the preseason games down one. The Steelers still get four. Uh, last year, it was it was not going. didn't have. <laughs> we didn't have a preseason. And uh, so it's nice, and it's a, it's really beneficial, especially following the season where we didn't have a preseason, to have that extra preseason game to give guys, you know, that are on the bubble, guys that the Steelers signed a lot of them this year. They, they kind of got lost in the shuffle last year. They signed brought a lot of guys in for camp. They're going to get to play. They're going to get to play in the preseason. They're going to get that shot to show, hey, you know what, maybe I don't practice as well as that guy, but I play in a game better than him. Uh, and that is something I think we really missed last season. I think a lot of guys fell through the cracks and fell off the radar simply because they didn't have those. I know no team has ever won, you know, ever gone to the Super Bowl while play after playing in the Hall of Fame game. But until you know 2005, no team had ever been the sixth seed, and, and, and you know, and, and won the won the championship either. So it's okay to do it different. You don't have to sit there and play the odds. You can you can go however you want. It doesn't matter. This could be the first season. Let's do it. Let's be the first team to play in the Hall of Fame game and win, win the Super Bowl. So speaking of the preseason, um, obviously it doesn't matter. Um, the famous 0-16 teams of the Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns both went 4-0 in the preseason. Uh, seriously, like the stats, like none of that really matters at the end of the day. But for those of us that haven't watched a preseason game in, what, 700 days, I, I suppose that's uh, what we're going on now. What to, what do we need to look out for in these games? What's important for the fans watching? Well, first off, preseason games, wins and losses are often decided by players who will not be playing on the team. Like the, It's like the fourth quarter is, is often decides preseason games, and none of those guys are – Rarely, rarely anyone in the fourth quarter going to make an NFL roster or be any kind of impact player. But that's, you know, that's that's where you find out. Do we have players there? Um, and that's the value of the preseason, preseason game. You're not looking really at the starters. You're not even looking at veteran backups. Like Tyson Aluwalu is usually considered a, a backup. He's not really a starter because he's the nose tackle and he rarely is on the, out there on the first snap. But we know what we're getting from him. Like, no one needs to look at Tyson Aluelo and say, ooh, is, is he going to be a player this year? We know what he is. Uh, what we're looking for is guys who make a big leap. Guys who are making a big second-year leap. We're looking for rookies that come in and are ahead of the curve. We're looking for guys that come out of nowhere to make a play, on, you know, to become a special teams player and maybe be something more. And I we missed that last season. I would have loved, you know, James Pierre – as good as he played there and the little bit of stretch he got, if there was a preseason last year, maybe he gets more than that. You know, we've had players who, who come in and, and start the preseason at the bottom of the roster, and by the end of the preseason, they're like, okay, 
all right, this this dude's our you know like number three wide receiver. This guy's our you know like number three guard or something like that. We, we you're you're somewhere on that list now, and you're gonna get snaps. You're gonna get opportunity. So for me, that's what you gotta watch for. You gotta watch for guys that you you don't know about and see what they're doing well. Um, especially watch if you see someone go off in the Hall of Fame game. Like you see someone you've never heard of have a phenomenal game in the Hall of Fame game. Watch what they do the next game. Watch where they come in. Uh, I remember Tuzar Skipper. He was hot in the preseason a couple years ago. And then the Steelers put him in the second quarter. Like he went in when the backups to the starters went in. The legit roster guys went in. And he absolutely disappeared. And then he played later when the other team took out their starters and put in their scrubs. And he started just destroying everybody again. And that's what I was watching. I was like, oh, you know, maybe this guy's not that legit. But so keep an eye on on when a person plays, who they're playing against, what they're doing. But but really, the preseason is for looking out for those guys. Who's gonna surprise you and maybe you know be a be a guy who can be a small minor impact player on this team? I'm gonna answer this next question first. Uh, give you an opportunity to think uh, of your own answer because I'm, I may even steal what you're you're gonna originally think of. But when it comes to this preseason, what I'm most excited for is gonna be what the late round draft picks of the 2020 class bring. So not this current draft class last year's because we really haven't watched Carlos Davis play a lot. Antoine Brooks Jr. who by all means, is killing it in camp thus far and seems to be poised to, to take a run at that nickel corner spot. Heck, Anthony McFarland didn't play too much a year ago, and what we saw wasn't a great sample size, if we're being honest with ourselves. But when it comes to what I'm really excited for over the next, what, five weeks, it, it's to see kind of what the Steelers really have from last year's group as much as it is seeing what they have from this year's group of guys uh, like you mentioned with James Pierre, th- there's just so many question marks surrounding s- some of these guys that we really haven't watched play, but obviously the Steelers had confidence in bringing them into the next season. And of course, all those draft picks from last year made the team, which is still somewhat of a rarity for the, for the Steelers, uh, either a sixth or seventh rounder like going back really the past decade plus. At least one of the guys was getting the ax at some point. Every single one of the guys of the draft class last year made it. Who knows if a lack of preseason had something to do with that, but each and every one of them made it, and we're, we're going to be able to watch them play some real game action this year. So now I'll turn it over to you, Jeffrey. What are you most excited to watch in this preseason? Well, I, I honestly, you you did steal what would have been my answer. Uh, <laughs> That's why I went Antoine first. Brooks, but I, I especially want to mention Carlos Davis, who who I, again, have to admit, when, when they drafted him, I went and looked at his Nebraska film, and it was it was almost embarrassing what I saw. I was like, this, oh, this is bad. I'll give the caveat, he was a shot putter, and I was like, he looks like he jumps out of his stance and comes too vertical, and he loses all his leverage when he does that. And, and I thought at the time, maybe, maybe the Steelers think, like, his shot putting is wrecking his thing, and they can fix that. He looked great. When he played, he looked like a, a a solid player when he played during the season. I'm very excited to see what he brings. But to answer that separately from from just piggybacking on your on your answer, <laughs> um, I'm gonna be looking for the guys that are new, the guys that are NFL 
guys, but lower, like not the they're not big names. Arthur Millette. I watching his New York Jets film, uh, he looks like a Terrell Austin guy. He fits a lot of roles that that players play in this defensive backfield. Um, I think he's a really good signing. He could be a very solid signing for this team. Uh, and so while I know Antron Brooks is listed ahead of him, I I honestly I wonder if that's going to stick. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to love that watching those two play and see how they sort that out. If that's your nickel, if if if, if Antoine Brooks can beat him out and be the nickel, I, I think you're that says huge things for this team's top four cornerbacks that that guy can step up and take it because Millette is, is a solid player. He is a very solid dude. He's easily a lot of teams' fifth best. You know, he's our number five defensive back on a lot of lot of NFL teams. So that would be very good. Uh, Miles Killebrew, who played with Terrell Austin and was had an important rotational part role at, at, as a safety, as a box safety, and doing some different roles in uh, Terrell Austin's defense, including playing some like dime linebacker type of roles. I'm interested in seeing what he's going to do, what he can, what he can, you know, if he can revitalize his career. Uh, some of these offensive linemen we signed and brought in, I'm very interested to see what they do. So as we get into the process of the preseason, it's going to be very interesting to see these guys, you know, put themselves on the pecking order with their play and see where they, where they can, where they can line up. Cause I mean, we, we know some things about the offensive line. We know some players are going to start. We know what the what the Steelers want to have happen. But there are always guys who surprise, always guys who step up, guys who aren't quite as good. And that that always shapes the roster. And, and like you said, every rookie made it last year and maybe, you know, a lack of preseason had something to do with it. It could have because we don't know who might have taken someone's job that just didn't get that chance to take someone's job because they didn't get the preseason. And so we'll that that's gonna be fun to watch for. And that's who I watch for is those those under 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 covered, maybe they're 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 not as big a deal uh signings that we did in the offseason because one or two of those are really good players, you know, can be a good solid rotational player. This team has all of a sudden has a lot more depth and a lot more, you know, overall strength to make it through this long season. Now, before we get back to straight training camp stuff, I do want to back it up because you brought up Miles Killebrew's name. And one of the things that happened in the past week is the Steelers dropped their official first official depth chart. Within it, there's some there's a couple interesting things, but throughout the offseason and after the Steelers signed Miles Killebrew, he's been listed as a linebacker up until the depth chart was released when he was put back into a safety role. If Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Terrell Austin was the guy pounding the table in Detroit for them to draft Miles Killebrew. Terrell Austin leaves. They transition him to be more of a dimebacker-type role. Killebrew is playing a lot as a safety in Detroit under Terrell Austin. Do you, do you see some sort of role potentially where Killebrew could be coming on the field to kind of shift some guys around, allow the other safeties to do perhaps some different things? Uh, could could Miles Killebrew really be some sort of maybe secret weapon underrated guy that we aren't really talking about or was this just um, Terrell Austin getting his guy back from Detroit and just having him for some uh, depth space and uh, special teams play. When Miles Killebrew was in Detroit, he he played everything from dime linebacker to uh, a, a slot safety, like the, you know, dime formation. He's, he's in the slot 
but he's playing like a linebacker. He's like he's there to to crush people. Uh, with Terrell Austin, he he is kind of a, a a fit in there. He's an athlete. He can do some man coverage. Uh, he is a good good tackler. I I think he has a chance to be more of a fitting specific roles in specific defensive you know alignments and, and coverage schemes. Uh, which which is a which is a thing with Terrell Austin how he moves people around. I, I see that's the thing I don't know. I look at it and this is one of the things I'm really excited to see is does he have something playing for Miles Killebrew or is this a guy he was like you know what this guy I think he deserved a better shot than he's got so let's see if he still can do it. Let's see if he can find you know the growth that he should have made as a player but he wasn't able to you know with with Terrell Austin leaving that team. I, I don't know if it's just that kind of a shot and saying, hey, you know what, he, he's at least a good special teams player and let's see if he brings us more. But I am very interested to see if Terrell Austin has some some interesting designs for him. And, of course, I'm saying Terrell Austin, Terrell Austin in my head, it has a specific role with the Steelers that's, that's not official. Um, I, I, know, I know Keith Butler is the defensive coordinator, and I've talked to some people who – cover the team who are like, I, I think you're a little crazy. Uh, but the coverage schemes and the defense, how we do, how we use our secondary has changed immensely uh, since Terrell Austin came on board. And some of the guys we're picking up, they just have, they look like players who fit what we're doing now. Whereas before we would just draft defensive backs and hope they can figure stuff out. Like it, it was really not, you didn't see a really organized plan there. We draft someone, be like, hopefully you work out in this defense. And now it's it seems very much more like we're drafting players who play roles and do specific things that we want them to do that he that show up in our in our, our defensive coverage. So I'm very excited to see how he ends up being used. Um I, I can't really I can't really say how that's gonna be. I can't even predict it, but uh, I expect it would be kind of the nickelback safety role like the slot corner slash safety that they do with a lot of people it's you know the mike hilton role the, the they tried it with minka fitzpatrick they tried it they do it a bit with terrell edmonds they've they've done it with a lot of players uh and i expect them to try him there and somewhere and he's gonna fit in yeah he, he is a guy that is kind of an interesting question mark well basically everyone the Steelers signed prior to what the last two and a half months or two months really um when it comes to what they're going to bring to this team so so that will be a fun thing to watch but getting back to training camp itself here there, there's been a, a few names that have really kind of uh kind of risen to the top uh, when it comes to the, the best performers uh, What about a week into camp at this point. Of course, we got pads on. Uh, once again today, Alex Highsmith is one of those guys that uh, looks really big. He looks really fast, looks more confident. I see your eyes lighting up uh, when I bring that up. Is there something uh, you want to touch on with uh, Alex Highsmith uh, looking extraordinarily uh, good this far into uh, training camp? Last season um... – Alex Highsmith reminded me of Lawrence Timmons and Larry Foote when they were early in their careers. I remember seeing Larry Foote play, and there would be like a you, you would see him like shoot into the backfield on a play, and you're like, oh, he's good. And then he just just missed the, the running back, right? And the running back would go and gain some yards. It, he was constantly so close to making the play, right? But he wasn't there. 
he had all kinds of good film, but no results. Lawrence Timmons was the same way. He had stuff where you're sitting there going, oh, oh, wow. Like, look what that guy just did. But there wasn't the results. Like, he wasn't actually getting the job done. He just looked like he was about to do something great, and then it, it didn't quite work out. He just missed it by a small bit. And eventually, both of those players became guys who made plays, not like fantastic playmakers. You know, Larry Foyt was very solid. But they they came around, and you saw how that that like look of, oh, he's, he's, he's almost there, turned into, wow, okay, the Steelers have a good player here. That's what Alex Highsmith made me think of last year. He was ripping off incredible pass rush moves. He was getting great jumps off the snap. He was doing a lot of things really well. And then at some point, like it would kind of die off. Like it was, he didn't, he didn't quite know how to finish. He had this much of it planned out. And maybe in college that was enough. But after you get that first great move, how do you finish? Uh, how do you get the line off, get that move off a little faster so that you cut that angle a little bit smaller and, you know, 10th of a second, you're there. You know, you're there a 10th of a second faster and it's a sack instead of a ball thrown away. That's where Alex Highsmith left last season going into this season was was just a little bit off from being a playmaker and looking really good and looking like he had a lot of potential. And what we're seeing right now is it looks like a guy who has made that step. That step, and that's a big step to make. If you remember Lamar Woodley, 2007, had four sacks. And go and look what they did in 2008, what him and James Harrison did in 2008. It's a little bit of a difference, a little bit of a deal there. Um, I'm thinking you could see that kind of a jump from Alex Highsmith, where he goes from a guy who looked good but didn't produce much to a guy who's next to on the opposite side of TJ Watt looks like an absolute stud. Yeah, that would be huge for this team. If Alex Highsmith can step in and turn his production around like that, yeah, you, you better watch out. Uh, that starting duo of him and TJ Watt would be electric. Mix in Melvin Ingram, who by all reports uh, looks good. Uh, according to himself, he feels good. He feels like he's 18 again, apparently. Uh, so so that is all very exciting. Of course, Alex Highsmith uh, today made some uh, pretty good plays on one-on-ones, on backs, on backers. And well, speaking of that drill, running back uh, Najee Harrison, really all, all the Steelers rookies are have been uh, getting a lot of praise um, the past week here in training camp. Najee Harris, especially, uh, he, he made a great block in that back on backers drill, which kind of got a big reaction of Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, already pictures of them celebrating uh, his block have, have surfaced. Uh, he, he caught a slant route on seven shots for a touchdown over Devin Bush. Uh, Najee Harris, that is not Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he threw the ball, but he, he wasn't the one running the route. But uh, Najee Harris, again, he, he had a great day at, at camp. There's some fan video of him busting a big run. Uh, the 6,000 uh, strong there at Heinz Field erupted for that. Are you excited for Najee Harris? Because it seems like this guy is ready to go. He's already listed as a starting running back. Uh, but this seems like it, it's a pretty big deal that this guy's uh, so ready to go in, in every asset of the game. Yes, this this is a this is the big one. I mean, really, it is. It's the first round pick. It's can we save the running game? And if the running game is all of a sudden good, you know, how much better is the entire offense going to be? So much is riding on Najee Harris. That that the plays he's making are are just getting everyone hyped up because this isn't just oh we have a better running back this is our offense could have the piece it needs to be great right this offense could be legitimately great 
that slant catch he made over Devin Bush, the way people describe it, Devin Bush had him covered, and he sealed off the the pass, used his body to to get between him and Devin Bush, and secured the catch. That's huge. That's 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 what Juju Smith-Schuster made his his you know rookie season was all about was was those kind of catches. If he can do that to Devin Bush, uh, then he's he's going to be a real real matchup problem. One of the things uh, I've been doing is is with my Matt Canada film room, it's called uh, Steelers Offense and Focus, is looking at one of the things I'm talking about right now, and it is the H back role, which is a hybrid like fullback tight end. They play. They can go out in the slot. They're a receiver. They're a blocker. They're sometimes a runner. The guy that best fits that role, if you look at the blocking and pass catching side of it, is Najee Harris. Now, obviously, he's going to be the number one runner. And in any Matt Canada offense that, w- that he has ever run, the number one runner is the runner, right? He is your tailback. He's not your H back. He's not going to go out there and be the receiver. But this is also a team that had Le'Veon Bell. That might change. You know, he may change. He may become that kind of matchup nightmare player that Matt Canada can use to really make this offense, you know, even, even more than just, hey, the Steelers have a running game now. It could be the Steelers have a running game, and this guy's also like Le'Veon Bell-level receiver, uh, but with probably a little more speed because Bell wasn't fast. Um yeah, that's that's what we're kind of talking about with Najee Harris. The downside is, and this this is one I always look at because I'm I'm a, I'm a numbers guy too, right? I, that's in my heart. I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. When players take a big step up in the number of repetitions they're getting, in the amount of playing time they're getting, the amount of hits they're taking, the amount of training they're doing, you see injuries. Now. The good news is Najee Harris stepped to the NFL and he was in NFL conditioning. They're like, this guy's already, we're not worried about him stepping up to NFL training because he's already been doing that level of training in college. Like he's that crazy. Uh, The question I have is he's, we're talking about 17 game season. People are predicting he could break, you know, the rookie rushing records of this team. He could be a serious contributor Right off the bat, if you look at the number of touches, the amount of hits he was taking in college, it's not anything like a full NFL schedule where you are the number one guy. So the one concern I have with Najee, and it's this is this is what has kept me from being too gushing about him his entire time since we drafted him, is the idea that you don't want to put this guy in there from the start, have him touch the ball you know, 25, 30 times a game to have him taking these hits because he's a dude who invites contact. They talked about that. He he did a block. He wasn't satisfied with it. He stayed on and motioned for them to send someone else out. Send it, you know, let's do Mark this Sallen. again. Yep. Yeah, and Mike Tomlin loves that. They all love that. They love a guy who invites that kind of contact, who wants to be the big dog in, in any matchup of two guys hitting. But that's... That's what we have to watch with him. That's the thing that has to just be watched because you don't want to lose him week 13. Right? You don't want it to, to be the Steelers are on path to being like the, this juggernaut team heading into the playoffs and then Najee Harris goes down with an, with an injury. And he's never the same player again or some, some horrible thing like that. Knock on wood. I hate talking about this. Uh, but... <laughs> 
that's that's my concern with him is like I I am so desperately watching to see any other running back. Any running back on the Steelers, I don't care who they are. I've got no favorites here. Anybody that will put them in a position to say, okay, we can monitor Najee Harris's touches and we can let Anthony McFarland or Benny Snell, I don't care, Jalen Samuels, whoever it is, go out there and run and we'll be okay. And Najee can, can you know, be reserved a little bit because 17 games is a lot. Before we flip over to the second half of the show, uh, there is one more name I want to touch on because we, we've kind of got through two of the kind of darlings of the early portion of training camp in Highsmith and Najee Harris. The third name that has been getting a ton of praise is Pat Fryermuth, the Steelers' second-round pick out of Penn State. Um, up until today, he's just been a, a stud receiver uh, before they put pads on, he's been catching everything spectacular, one-handed catches. Uh, he's dropping two toes in the end zone, uh, maintaining possession of the ball, scoring points. He's been doing it all in the, in the receiving game. Mike Tomlin's been chirping at him saying, we know you can catch, but can you block? And then today they put the pads on, and one of the guys apparently he stoned in, in the drills, Alex Highsmith, one of the, the Steelers' darlings at camp. Pat Farmuth has been answering the bell. It's so much so, I had to write a story on it, and that will be dropping uh, for you tomorrow over at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. But, Jeffrey, I, I'm curious your thoughts on Pat Farmuth and whether or not you expected him to uh, be living uh, so far up to expectation. I, I guess at this point, he, he's kind of passing any expectation that we had from the second-round pick of a tight end before we even make it to these preseason games. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it because... Again, in Matt Canna's offense, I'm going to go back to that every time. Uh, a lot of times he uses tight ends as your H-back, where you're a blocker. You're doing creatively different things. You're not just in line all the time. You're not just in line or in the slot. You're in the backfield. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, against When he would pit upset Clemson, it was basically their run game was pitches to – it was either James Conner or a, you know, a little shovel pass to their tight end. Pat Fryermuth. With his pass catching, he's showing. If he is a matchup problem, and this, this is something I will say a lot, matchup problems, uh, if he's a matchup problem as a receiver, and he also can block, and he can do some creative things, and we're seeing he's a fluid, he's a pretty fluid athlete. He's got some, he's got some good athleticism there. He he can be another one of those weapons that is just really hard for defenses to match up with. And that's like like when I hear when I see them. Doing these things, I see I see Pat Firemuth going off. All I can think of is plays where like you you start with like Najee Harris in the backfield and you motion him out to wide receiver, and teams have to account for that because he's actually good and he's a threat out there and he's hard to cover. And then you have like Pat Firemuth at tight end, and everyone's like, Oh crap, okay, now they're cleared out, they're not running the ball, and you get like some little shovel pass to Pat Firemuth up the middle, where the linebackers had to clear out because they're out there worried about, you know, what's what's Najee Harris gonna bring. The addition of Fryermuth as a weapon would make our two tight end sets really, really dangerous. Uh, allows if Najee Harris is more is going to show off versatility, that that makes that a bigger deal. I mean, if you can go out there with a two tight end set and say, you know, Eric Ebron's solid blocker. He's apparently convinced that blocking is important now. He saw the light and he's, <laughs> he's been converted to a blocking tight end. Who, 
he's, he's at least he's at least saying the right things, right? So if he's if he's willing to really buy into to being able to block and being a good blocker, and Pat Fryermuth is able to block, and they're both receiving threats, and you've got Harris as your running back, and all of a sudden you just come out like that, and the other team has to counter it, understanding that okay, we got we got two tight ends who can block linebackers, right, and we got a running back who can cause us troubles, and then you just go five wide. And you're like, we've got a bunch of tall, fast guys, and we've got a running back who can catch. Like, that's that's the kind of of, of mismatch nightmares for defenses that would make this Steelers offense, and especially under Matt Canada, incredibly tough to defend because of how Matt Canada uses people creatively. So for me, Pat Fryermuth of his own accord is nice the hearing that. But when you hear it in conjunction with Najee Harris, in conjunction with Eric Ebron, apparently deciding blocking is important. This offense really has that chance. You're seeing the window, like uh, the percentages of maybe this offense could be what we hope it is. It, the, the chance that that's actually going to happen is, is higher than, it, than, it, than it's been. And it's incredibly exciting. Yeah, you're spot on with all of that, Jeffrey. Uh, I'm I'm way more excited for this offense uh, with with these reports of how, especially the rookies, how good they've looked. Even Kendrick Green, I know uh, he he fumbled a, a snap today, and then uh, the next play almost shot one over Ben's head, but he caught it. Ben uh, Ben's pretty good at catching wild snaps because yeah. honestly, Marquise Pouncey was not a very good at snapping the ball and shotgun. If you look back in his career, there'd be way more fumbles if number seven wasn't back there behind him catching them all. Yeah. Uh, ben, ben did a great job of catching those snaps. So I'm not too worried about that with Kendrick Green thus far. Uh, I'm sure he, he'll get all that under control. But as we sit here right now, we do have to transition to the second half of the podcast. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, just hang tight. If you're listening on a podcast platform, you'll just have to click over to part two. We're going to cover some cut candidates, whether or not the Steelers can afford to sign another player, perhaps if they can extend TJ Watt in the next couple weeks. Some uh, And if we have some time, we, we could get into some uh, position battles. Who uh, is the favorite right now in the early running of, uh, of this uh, training camp? So flip over right now. Once again, if you're YouTube, Facebook, just hang tight. 